0: Alright, we are back. My name is Tree Song, here with your community spirit. Let's get started with our first news story. California gas leak called the biggest disaster since BP. Now we have mentioned this story before. It's the California gas leak that's going on in Southern California. But the longer the story happens, the (laughs) the more of a disaster it becomes because it keeps leaking methane. Methane leak in Southern California could be the worst environmental disaster since the BP oil spill. The leak was discovered outside Los Angeles in late October at a natural gas storage site owned by Southern California Gas Co. It has been bleeding methane at a rate of up to 110,000 pounds per hour for the past two months. That much methane in the atmosphere is climate catastrophe. According to the EPA, methane is, quote, more efficient at trapping radiation than CO2, Pound for pound, the comparative impact of CH4, methane, on climate change is more than 25 times greater than CO2 over a 100-year period. It's also even greater than that over a a shorter period, too. To date, the leak has emitted nearly 74,000 metric tons of methane, or the equivalent of burning 700 million gallons of gasoline. So this one leak in Southern California that they haven't been able to patch has been the equivalent of burning 700 million gallons of gasoline so far. The source of the leak, according to Southern California Gas Co., is an underground storage container near the upscale Porter Ranch neighborhood in Los Angeles. Residents there have suffered headaches, nosebleeds, nausea, and other symptoms from the escaping gas, reports AP. Southern California Gas is paid to relocate over 2,000 displaced residents, with 3,000 more in the process of moving. Two schools have also been temporarily closed in response to health concerns. Now, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of naive sometimes. I am kind of surprised I haven't heard more about this in the, uh, the mainstream media, the corporate media. Just because they're moving people out of their homes, you'd think it would get some coverage, but I've mostly just heard about it on the environmental websites. This disaster, quote, oh, well, Let me mention this part first. The company estimates the leak won't be stopped until next spring, so we're going to have millions of gallons more equivalents leaking out between now and the spring. This disaster is, quote, an example of the type of risks we face as natural gas infrastructure ages and is a sobering reminder of how important it is to have rules that ensure gas stays in the pipeline, not in our air, writes the Environmental Defense Fund. Or, you know, we could just use clean energy and not have to worry about all of these dangers. And you can see the disaster unfolding in infrared footage captured by the Environmental Defense Fund if you go to grist.org or if you sign up for our newsletter. To sign up for our newsletter, you can send us an email over at info at yourcommunityspirit.org. All right, let's get into our next story here. This Christmas has shattered heat records. That's not necessarily the kind of records you want to shatter. There's no white Christmas for the eastern half of the U.S. this year. Far from it, in fact. Record high holiday temperatures in several states, 86 degrees in Tampa, Florida, 83 degrees in Houston, 67 degrees in Boston, 68 in Burlington, Vermont. I've heard the stories of how cold it gets in Burlington, and it's not usually 68 degrees there on Christmas. And 66 degrees in New York City just to name a few, are exclamation points on the end of what will be the globe's hottest year to date. The heat is adding fuel to severe weather in several states, the storms that turn deadly across the south. Across the country, the weather has been more it has more closely resembled spring than typical December temperatures. Quote, According to preliminary data from NOAA's National Centers for Environmental Information, at least 2,693 record daily highs were tied or broken across the U.S. during the first 23 days of December. An additional 3,912 record warm daily low temperatures have also been set during the same time period, the Weather Channel reported. By comparison, just 147 daily records, record lows, and 140 additional record cool highs we set in the same time frame, so some clear signs that the warming is occurring. The string of broken temperature records isn't limited to the U.S. either. NOAA recently announced that this November was the hottest in the 136-year period of record, at 0.97 degrees Celsius above the 20th century average of 12.9 degrees Celsius, breaking the previous record of 2013 by 0.15 degrees Celsius. Thus, November became the seventh consecutive month that a monthly global temperature record has been broken. Thanks to a combination of an intense El Nino weather pattern marked by a burst of warming in the Pacific and the long-term human-caused climate change, 2015 is poised to be the hottest year on record by a significant margin. Now, it might take them a few days to crunch the numbers. We're only a few years into 2016, but I imagine by next week we will be able to officially announce that 2015 was by far the hottest year. While one of the strongest El Ninos on record is driving up temperatures this winter, a recent analysis by Climate Central found that carbon pollution emitted by human activity is by far the biggest driver of the warming, while natural factors like El Nino account for a much smaller percentage. As I've heard some people try to say, oh, well, it's just the El Nino. They, they're still trying to deny global warming and saying... The only reason we're having warm temperatures is because of El Nino. El Nino is warming things up a little bit, that's for sure, but it doesn't deny the fact that global warming is here and caused by humans. All right, that was a little snippet from Drum Medicine by David and Steve Gordon. Some good mellow music to get us going here on this, uh, this New Year's Day. All right, so let's, since it is the new year, let's review a little bit from the old year. We've got a couple of interesting lists here related to the climate. This one is the seven most interesting climate findings of the year. So we can start off our new year with some science. That's a very good way to start the new year. I think we could use some more examination of the science on climate change. Climate Central, we love climate research, but really, who doesn't? We covered relentlessly, and a lot of findings have come through our inboxes this year. All those studies are crucial to shaping both what we know about the world we currently live in, as well as what we're in store for in the future, depending on how we respond to climate change. But there are Baker's half-dozen studies that really piqued our interest this year, from the Atlantic circulation slowdown to the disappearance of the global warming slowdown. While these seven were all fascinating and critical, Some also created controversies that are still ongoing. So, first one is the finding that we could be entering an era of warming unseen in at least a thousand years. And this made the list because the rate of global warming has increased with each passing decade. A couple of studies published this year show that the rate will not only continue to rise, but soon be one the Earth hasn't seen since the Vikings found their way to Greenland, and possibly longer than that. Number two is the finding that the southwest and central plains face an unprecedented mega drought. And uh, southwest and central plains are already pretty dry places to a degree. Now imagine a drought that makes the dust bowl look like a picnic. That's what the region has in store in the coming decades, according to climate projections published earlier this year. Another one, this has been a big topic of discussion. Number three, Atlantic circulation is weakening which could be bad news for weather and sea levels. Climate change is causing Greenland's ice to melt, which sends a rush of cold fresh water into the sea. As you may know, freshwater and seawater have different properties to them. That's acting as a roadblock on a key ocean conveyor belt that shuffles the warm water from the tropics northward. Slowdown in circulation has been tied to a 5-inch spike in sea levels on the east coast and harsh winters in Europe. Movie aficionados might also remember a similar scenario occurring in The Day After Tomorrow and spinning up a series of superstorms that freeze out the East Coast. Now, obviously, that was a work of fiction, but it was based on this whole idea of the circulation slowing down, which is actually starting to happen. All right, and some of these other findings here we have the This is one of my favorite ones. Uh, The global warming hiatus might just be a data artifact. Now why this one made the list is that it was talked about a lot in the media, because just about everyone who wanted to deny climate change tried to push this idea of a global warming hiatus. And uh, a theoretical slowdown in global warming has been studied and debated extensively, and a number of studies have linked it to different ocean basins taking up more heat from the surface and stashing it down with Aquaman's (laughs) Lair. But a study by National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration researchers said the slowdown might just be a data artifact based on how scientists account for temperature measurements taken by ships. The revised dataset has come under fire from highly partisan congressional investigations, but we'll leave it to Gavin Schmidt, NASA's chief climate scientist, who maintains one of the other global temperature datasets. And we'll let him have that last word on the topic. Quote, The fact that such small changes to the analysis make the difference between a hiatus or not, that merely underlines how fragile a concept it was in the first place. So people who were looking for something, really pushing for something, kind of thought maybe global warming had slowed down for a little bit. (laughs) But when you actually look at the data, it doesn't seem to be the case. This was another big one we talked about on the show. Number five, a climate change-induced drought helped spur the Syrian conflict. Now, of course, the Syrian conflict has a lot of complex things going on, including U.S. interventions that led to a lot of the violence that's occurring. But climate change played a role as well because of the drought that occurred there. This drought was part of what precipitated Syria's civil war and thus helped contribute to the rise of ISIS. Number six, ice sheets in Antarctica could rapidly melt causing seas to rise up to four times faster than current projections. This was part of research published earlier this year by James Hansen, NASA's former chief climate scientist. This research shows that the current numbers could be far too low. Instead, oceans could rise by as much as 16 feet due to the rapid melt of the Antarctica. And number seven is California's drought has turned its forests from climate guardians into climate polluters. The Golden State's seemingly endless drought has been the subject of much research, including the role that climate change has played. The verdict is that yes, in terms of heat, maybe in terms of precipitation. An important but perhaps under-the-radar drought impact has been the transition of California's forests. Major forest fires raged across the state this year, releasing decades of stored carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. That effectively turned California's forests into climate polluters, as they released more carbon dioxide than they took up, that's one of those feedback cycles that we are ending up in with human caused global warming. Our global warming impact helps contribute to more wildfires, and the wildfires turn the forest into a forest into a carbon emitter rather than a carbon sink, so it just feeds upon itself so those are some of the biggest uh, stories on the climate from. 2015 we'll get to a little music and then talk about a few other stories and get to our happenings all right let's get to a little bit more of this news and get to some local happenings so biggest energy and climate stories of 2015 we've got the clean power plan is finalized that's number one we've talked about that on previous episodes the plan is meant to cut carbon dioxide emissions from existing coal-fired power plants Number two is that the Keystone XL pipeline dies. The plan is likely to be the policy that does the most to cut greenhouse gas emissions in the U.S. over the next decade as it pushes utilities to continue their switch from coal-fired power plants to natural gas. Well, natural gas, we've just talked about the uh, challenges inherent in natural gas. But that's the hype, which is why it has made it to one of the top stories. So also, the offshore wind market is emerging in the U.S. This is a really big one. There's enough space to build wind turbines in the waters off U.S. coastlines to nearly quadruple the total U.S. electric power generating capacity. But unlike Europe, where more than 2,300 wind turbines twirl off the shores of 11 countries, not a single megawatt of wind power is being produced off U.S. coast today. A huge missed opportunity for America, scientists say. But that began to change in 2015. Construction began during the summer on America's first offshore wind farm, the 30-megawatt, 5-turbine Block Island Wind Farm off the coast of Rhode Island. Another big one we've surely talked about on this show, solar power booms. If it seems like more and more solar panels are appearing on rooftops and solar farms, that's because they are. Solar power, both rooftop and utility scale, continued its boom in 2015 as panels became more efficient and solar panel prices continue to fall. Another big one was Hawaii sets 100% renewable goal. It will take them some time to reach that goal, but they have until 2045 to figure out how to get 100% renewable. Alright, so let's get to some of the local events and happenings. It's a little quiet around Carbondale. Uh, There's some exciting stuff going on last night for... Uh, New Year's Eve, but it's a little bit quieter and calmer here in the calm of winter. Do have a few things going on, though. The Ice Skating Rink Fundraiser. It's going on on weekends in all, throughout the rest of January. It's uh, from 12pm to 6pm on Saturdays and Sundays. They also have some Friday times as well, though this today being New Year's Day, um, I believe they're taking the day off. But on weekends coming up, You can skate at the ice rink here on the Town Square in Carbondale. It's right across from Long Branch, and it's right down the street from WDBX. It's pretty easy to find. Nice little skating rink, ice skating rink here. And it's a fundraiser for the Carbondale Super Splash Park. All right, let's see other happenings. We want to mention that the Carbondale community, Community Farmers Market, we love talking about them on here, They are taking a break this weekend due to the New Year's Eve, New Year's Day holiday. They will be coming back on January 9th, however, with all of their fresh local produce and all the other goodies they have to share. So not this Saturday, but next Saturday, they will be coming back to the Carboneo Community High School from 9 a.m. to noon. In other happenings, here's a good way to celebrate the new year. It's a labyrinth walk. It's happening on Sunday, this coming Sunday, January 3rd, from 7.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. at the Labyrinth Peace Park. The public is invited to a monthly Labyrinth Walk. And this is going to be held on the first Sunday of each month from 7.30 to 8 a.m. at the Labyrinth Peace Park, just north of Guy House at 913 South Illinois Avenue. The Labyrinth Walk will be followed by coffee over at Harbaugh's. The Buckminster Fuller dome-covered labyrinth and park is always open for meditation and recreation. For more information, you can go to ourgaiahouse.org slash labyrinth or contact Bob at 618-967-3016. Now that's a great way to start the new year because it's a a lot of times when a new year starts, people, they may make resolutions or they may think about things they want to do differently in their new life, and taking a labyrinth walk is a good way to contemplate such questions and doing it on Sunday at 7.30 is a way to do it with other people if you find other hearty souls who are able to wake up and do a labyrinth walk at 7.30 a.m. on a Sunday but I know they do it so I haven't made it myself yet but I've heard it's a good time also coming up we have Transportic Playground coming up on Tuesday at 8 p.m. at Gaia House Interfaith Center Transportic Playground meets at Guy House on the first and third Tuesdays of each month They invite all people to share some poetry or simply come to enjoy the performances. It's a good time. I'm looking forward to it. I make it whenever I can. All right, another other community happenings we have. This is a big one to mark your calendar for, and some of the auxiliary happenings related to it are starting up. It's the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Community Celebration. That's coming up on Saturday, January Excuse me, Sunday, January 17th at 4 p.m. at the Carbondale Civic Center. So that is coming up on January 17th. The theme is, We Who Believe in Freedom Shall Not Rest Until It Comes. The celebration will include music, interpretive dance, readings, and a special performance by Jeff McGoy. The community choir will perform under the direction of Pat York, accompanied by the Southern Illinois West African Drum Ensemble the public is invited to participate in this choir. There are three locations for rehearsals, and the choir director requests that participants attend at least two rehearsals. One of those rehearsals is coming up quickly. The first two listed here are on Monday, January 4th, that's this coming Monday, and then Monday, January 11th, from 7.30 p.m. to 8.15 p.m. at the Guy House Interfaith Center, located at 913 South Illinois Avenue. They're also having a rehearsal at Rock Hill Missionary Baptist Church, located at the corner of Marion and Monroe Streets here in Carbondale. So their rehearsal is going to be on Saturday, January 16th from 10 a.m. to 1045 a.m. The final rehearsal will be at the Civic Center on day of the event itself, January 17th, 345 p.m. So that's I go to that whenever I get a chance. I've been going for the past few years now, and I've actually participated in the community choir. It's a fun event, a fun way to celebrate the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. brings together the whole community. All right, we'll do one more quick happening. Mention this date coming up. Mark your calendars for Chris Mahana Kwanzaa. That's coming up on Saturday at... January 23rd at 6 p.m. at Guy House Interfaith Center. Chris mahana in addition to being quite a mouthful to say, is an annual interfaith celebration of all winter holidays. It goes on every year at Guy House and there will be live music, refreshments, arts and crafts, all sorts of good stuff going on. That's today. That's January 23rd at 6 p.m. We'll have more details about that as the date approaches. Well, this has once again been an exciting and informative episode of Your Community Spirit. I hope you've enjoyed it at least half as much as I have. It's always a good time sharing the news here on the radio. If you have any questions, you can email them to us at info at yourcommunityspirit.org, and we can mention your happenings or your news items on the air. In the meantime, it's, it's a wonderful new year. It's a beautiful day outside. Um, I hope you are enjoying this new year. You've Clearly woken up in time to hear the show, so hopefully that's a good sign. And we will see you here next week on the radio.